So if you think of, if when Christians think of Jesus, probably the first thing they think is Jesus died for our sins. And so that we might be forgiven and he merited eternal life for us so we can go to, go to heaven. And of course, we might say that is the pinnacle of what he's done for us. But that's not all that he's done for us. And one of the things that we, we see that Jesus has done for us is that he has taught us. Now, in one sense, he's taught us in all his word, but he was also a teacher while he lived on earth. And what he taught there has a particular power and force that from the lips of the one who was God himself come in the human flesh. And uh, this fall, that's what we're going to be looking at. And the Sunday morning, we'll be looking at some of the teachings from Luke, which are a bit different from what we find in Matthew and Mark. There's overlap, but there's some unique stories. Like in Luke, we find the story of the Good Samaritan and the prodigal son, the rich man and Lazarus, and so on. And uh, there's, a lot, uh, in, there's quite a bit more there in the middle section of Luke. And then, uh, but in Mark, we have, which we're going to look at on, start looking at on um, Wednesday nights, the teachings are much shorter. And so we're going to try and consider what Jesus is teaching us there. But this night, we're going to begin um, thinking about Jesus as a teacher sent from God, which is uh, what Nicodemus called him. And uh, we're going to try to consider what does it mean that Jesus is our teacher And uh, to do that, let's turn in the gospel according to Mark, chapter 1. Mark, chapter 1. And I'm going to read verses 14 through 22. And then we'll read verses 35 um, through 39. So let's listen to God's holy word. After John was put in prison... Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching. Because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. And then moving down to uh, verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. This is God's holy word. Let's pray. O Lord our God in heaven, we give you praise, O Lord, for you are great and worthy of our honor and adoration. We thank you that we can come 
and praise you for all that you have done for us, for all your amazing works. And we thank you, O Lord, that you are the one who instructs us, that you are come to teach us. And we pray, O Lord, that you would indeed teach us tonight. I thank you for each person who's watching and each person who's gathered. I pray that you would bless them with your word, that they might experience it in, in, in power according to your teaching. I pray, O Lord, that you would be with those who are sick and struggling and not able to be with us tonight for various reasons or struggling at home. We pray a healing touch upon them. We pray, O Lord, for those who are discouraged, that they would feel the encouragement of your grace. We pray for those who are wandering in the wrong way, that they would be called back to you. We pray for repentance. We pray for renewal. We pray, O Lord, for those who are traveling. Pray that you would bless them in their destinations and bring them back safely here. And we pray that you would bless our time here together tonight. We thank you for the blessing we have of having your word. And we pray that you would teach us now by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So why do we need a teacher? We need a teacher in general because there's things that we don't know. But we need a teacher to teach us also about life. Because we come into this world and we don't, aren't necessarily told right away what we're supposed to be doing. Um, we don't know always what direction we're supposed to go, where we're supposed to spend our time or energy or talents. And we come up to many difficult decisions. We don't know how to, how to live. We don't know what to do. And sometimes we just coast along and we need to be confronted with a teacher because we just do what everybody else is doing, and that may be right, and it may be wrong. And so we need to be called out sometimes of our complacency and be instructed in a way that will call us to live in the way that God has created us to do. And um, in addition, we can see this when life is filled, we can see that life is filled with ambiguity. Especially, you know, you see this come along in, in many stages of life, but I, I see it particularly as I've dealt with a lot of students this year, this year and questions about whether they should go in this direction or whether they should go in, in that direction, how they should deal with their parents or how they should deal with their friends, um, what, kind of, uh, what steps are they to take uh, in order to move forward in the careers that they have chosen, um, who should they marry. All these types of questions are a reflection of the bigger questions that we have in life uh, about what we are supposed to do to live a good and holy and life that is a blessing to us and a glorifying to the Lord. And w- while we don't necessarily have the specific answers to all those questions, what we do know is that God has shown us <coughs> that um, God has sent us a teacher to tell us what it is to live a good and godly and holy life and to find the way to eternal blessedness and happiness. And that's what Jesus is. He's a priest who sacrificed himself. He's a king who rules over us. And there's overlap with these things. But he's also a prophet and teacher who teaches us. And so let's consider what this passage teaches us about Jesus as a teacher as we kind of look at that and consider the context of that before we start looking in the weeks to come at his specific teachings and what they mean. Tonight we're going to consider from this passage, Jesus' career as a teacher, the character of the teaching, the content of the teaching. And so, first, Jesus' career as a teacher. 
One of the things that we, we see about Jesus is that Jesus is called the Christ. And the Christ comes from the Old Testament, the word meaning Messiah or anointed one. And generally, anointed one was one who was anointed to serve as a prophet, priest, or king. Now, which one does, was teacher fit under? Prophet, priest, or king, primarily? Prophet, yeah, so it's a prophet. As a prophet, it's one of his chief reasons he's called Christ, because he came as a prophet. And so you can see that um, he is called a prophet because he teaches us the will of God for our salvation and way of life. Now here we have Jesus, in this passage, we have emphasis on him as a teacher and healer. And in verse 14, we see how he began his teaching ministry. It says, after John was put in prison. So John the Baptist was also a prophet who was called of God. And he came calling the people to, re- to repentance and a baptism for the remission of sins. But then um, he was arrested by Herod, and put in prison, and later executed. And after he was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee to the northern part of Israel. And it says that he began to do, to preach and to teach. He began to tell people, and he began to proclaim, to tell people about something that was happening. He calls it here the good news of God. And so he says simply, and you can see the simplicity of what Mark says in verse 15, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. We'll look at that in a lot more detail uh, probably next week. We'll talk a little bit about it this week. But there's the message that Jesus gave. And so you can see, what did this look like? Well, um, one, of the, one of the main ways in which he did this is on the Sabbath day, he would go into the synagogue. And the synagogue was the place where the people gathered to worship, very much like what we do in churches today. And it says in verse 21, they went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue, and he began to teach. So he went around, and he was teaching people, like on, on Sundays, just like we do here. And Jesus felt the call that he was to go around and to preach and to teach as many people as possible. You can see that in the last passage that we read. He was, um, the, he was in Capernaum and everybody liked what he was doing. He was doing all kinds of healings. And they said, hey, we want you to stay here. Everybody's looking for you. We like you. And in verse 38, though, Jesus says, nope, I'm out of here. He says, let, go, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages. So he was going to go somewhere else so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he had a sense of a call that he had to preach all over Israel. And so he wasn't going to be detained, even though things seemed to be going well. People seemed to like him in Capernaum. He had a call from God. So he's called here. In that sense, we see Jesus as a prophet. Another way to look at Jesus is as a a rabbi or a, a, a teacher um, a teacher that is called uh, the teacher that day was called a rabbi, and to understand what a rabbi what a rabbi would do in in Jesus' time and what Jesus did, you think Jesus had would walk around and he would teach. He would go all over kinds of all over and he would teach people, but he would also have a group of people who would follow him. So he had his followers who would walk around with him and they would listen to his teaching. The idea is that they they seek to remember it, 
and then to put it into practice. And you can see this in the example of the life of the disciples here. Um, It's kind of surprising what happens, but it might not have been as surprising in that day, um, except for the dramatic way in which it was announced. When they were fishing, doing their normal work, Peter, James, and John were called by Jesus to follow him. And so they left everything they were doing, and they were going to follow him. And then he says, I will teach you how to fish for people. So I'm going to teach you so you can teach others. In other words, like I would turn you into rabbis yourselves. And that's the idea, is teaching them how to follow Jesus, follow his teachings, and they would teach others to follow his teachings. And this was the idea of the rabbi. So that's what's happening here. Now, obviously, in our day, uh, we can't literally, physically follow Jesus around. But we still have his teachings, and we can still make them a part of our lives and seek to implement them. And sometimes I wonder, well, I I read a book a couple years ago called Miraculous Movements. And basically it was talking about mission work that occurred in in the present day in the Middle East and North Africa. And one one thing, and it was really interesting, there's a lot of interesting things in this book. I definitely recommend it. It's sort of one of those books that would challenge your thinking in a lot of ways to see what the call of Christ is. But how they, how they did evangelism there is they wouldn't necessarily go and give an altar call. They would just meet with people and then they would talk about the teachings of Jesus and they would encourage them to just implement them in their life. They say, if you believe this, how would it change your life? If, you, if, the, if this was true, what would you do differently? Now go do that differently and could you tell someone about that? And that really is something of the idea of what, what is here. And sometimes I wonder if that might actually get people moving in the direction that Jesus wanted them to go a little bit better than just simply asking them simply to make a decision. Of course, a decision needs to be made to follow Christ. But that we begin by training people and saying, let's read the Bible together, let's see the teaching of Jesus, and teach them, as Jesus said, to obey everything that I have commanded you. That's the idea of the teaching. That's the idea of the rabbi. And so that's what Jesus was. You can see that in this passage, and we'll see it throughout. So... What kind of teaching did Jesus do? I want you to see a few aspects of the teaching of Jesus, the character of the teaching of Jesus. There's one thing we notice about the teaching of Jesus is that it made a big impression on people. And not only did it make a big impression on people, but it continues to make a big impression on people. Even people who might not say, I'm ready to follow Jesus or embrace him as Savior, have said, there is some power in this teaching here. And so that's what, I want you to see four things about his teaching. First, Jesus taught with authority. Jesus taught with authority. If you're following along in the notes there, this is under number two. This is point number, the point number one, is that how I have it? Point A, Jesus taught with authority. Jesus taught with authority. So that's what you find in verse 22. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. One author said it was a fearless, candid, unconstrained, convincing, telling, forcible way of teaching. Martin Luther said all was full of life and sounded as though it had hands and feet. And so 
there was a power in his teaching that was not evident, that this is something to be embraced, that this is something to be, to be followed. And I think if you just think about the teachings of Jesus and begin to read them, you'll see like the little things that he say, says just have a force that kind of punches you, forces you to rethink, forces to evaluate your life. For example, if you love them that love you, what credit is it to you? Even the pagans do that. A continual challenge, not just to be comfortable with our own group, but to reach out and love to others. When he says, he says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? It is a powerful point that has authority for us to think through it. I have not come to call the righteous, Jesus said, but sinners to repentance. These just forceful ways of teaching the gospel that present to us the power of his teaching. We're going to look at those in detail in the weeks to come. So Jesus taught with authority. But he also uh, taught memorably. One of the things about Jesus' teachings is that they are memorable and clear. You can remember them. He told the parables, and you have, oh, there's the four kinds of soil. And I can remember these four kinds of soil. He would ask key questions like, what would a man? If what, what profit, does it profit a man if he gains the whole, whole world but loses his own soul? You don't necessarily have to memorize the exact wording to get what he's saying. He he says things like the, the many who are first will be last, and the last shall be first. And you'll hear people saying that because it's memorable. He he says whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. He, he says, he makes comparisons to things like, look at the birds of the air. Does your heavenly Father feed them? If he feeds them, won't he take care of you? So Jesus taught in a memorable way. That's one of the powerful things about it is he knew how to say these things in a way that helps us to remember them. So makes it easier to implement them in our lives. But one of the most important things about Jesus' teaching is that he also taught with consistency. He, he also taught consistently and with consistency. He lived what he preached. He told us to seek first the kingdom of God. And he sought first the kingdom of God. If there's ever one who said the will of the Father is the most important, I'm going to do what God tells me to do, irrespective of the cost, it was Jesus himself. You know, I can call, um, he, he, he told people to love others, and he had compassion on people. He paid attention to people that other people didn't pay attention to. In this passage, he touches the leper that no one else would touch. Other places, he takes the children that people said, get away, and he blesses them. He loved people. You know, that's the thing that I experience as a, as a pastor, is that, I, in essence, I'm trying to give the same message Jesus did, to trust in the Father and let that trust flow out in love to other people. But I can't do it always with consistency. And, it, and it, I always struggle when it's like, man, I have not loved others as I should today. But Jesus did it, did what he, what he said. He said to have compassion on people, he had compassion on people. And so that's what gave it his power. Everything he said, he did. But then also, the fourth thing is that Jesus taught with dependence. Jesus taught with dependence on the power of God. Now, he taught in a powerful way, but he recognized that if, if God doesn't add his blessing to the words that I'm teaching, 
then they're not going to have effect in the lives of the hearers. And that's why you notice that after he had preached and taught, he went away and he spent time with the Father and he was praying all night because he recognized that he needed the power of the Father to work in the people that he was talking to. And that's what he said, for example, to, to Peter. When he asked Peter, who do you say that I am? And he said, and he said you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He, he, he didn't say, man, I'm finally, I'm a good, good teacher. I'm a really good teacher, so you got it. Now, he was a good teacher, but what did he say? It was my Father in heaven. Flesh and blood has not revealed to you this, but my Father in heaven. And in John 6, he talks about many people didn't like what he was saying, and eventually, you know, turned on him. But he says, these people can come to me only if it has been given to them by my Father. In other words, he taught. He always taught everybody, every occasion he could. He, he got the word out. But he also recognized that it was the power of God changing the human heart that was necessary. And so that's the character of the teaching of, of Jesus. That's why our, our confession, Westminster Shorter Catechism, when it's talking about Jesus as a prophet, says he teaches us by his word and spirit. Outwardly by the word, inwardly by the spirit. When he makes that effective in our lives, there's an outward teaching that needs to be heard, but there's an inward work of the Holy Spirit enabling us to embrace that. And so whether we are listening to the teaching of Jesus or sharing the teaching of Jesus, we need to be with dependence upon God and his work in our lives. Now, what did Jesus teach? Well, that's what we're going to talk about uh, every week for the next few weeks. But I want to give you a brief summary based on what Jesus says in Mark 1, verse 15. He said, The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Mark 1, 15. The time has come near. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So he said, first of all, in that we see that he taught good news. He had a message of good news. And that message was a timely message. It was a message that was about time being fulfilled. Because Jesus is more than just a teacher of timeless truths. He is a teacher about time and how it is fulfilled. And one of the things, when Jesus came, people were looking for God to do something big. They were hoping that God would come and challenge the authorities of his day and turn things around and make things much better. Kind of like we might do today. It's in the, we think of our nation, we think of the church and things like that. That's the kind of thing that we're looking for. And Jesus says, that time that you're looking for has come right now. And why has it come? Because he has come. And he's saying... What you were looking for is now here. And he's actually going to clarify all of what that means in his teaching. But the point is that it is good news. The thing they were looking for, God to act and to do something big and to make a difference and turn our things around, that was happening right now. And so his message is a lot about the good news about himself. And it's one of the most striking things about his teaching is that he's continually calling people to basically submit unconditionally to him and his teaching. 
It's not something that any other human being can do. But he did it because he was more than a human being teaching. He was God himself. And so he says, come, submit to me, follow me, give up just following your own way, and follow what I'm going to tell you to do. He was the teacher. He brought the good news. And so people needed to respond to that. And how did they respond? He says, repent and believe the good news. So he taught the good news, but he taught faith in the good news. People need to say, yes, the time has come. I agree. I believe it. People needed to trust him. They needed to say, Jesus is now the one who will save us. And even if, like in Mark 4, that there was a big storm that threatened their lives, that they had Jesus there and he was going to save them so they'd be people of faith, that he was the one who was going to deliver them, that he was one who was going to bring them. So they need to fear even in the midst of a storm. He was the one who was bringing life and hope. And so he, he calls us to faith, to believe that Jesus is doing something big and good for us, in us, to bring us to salvation, eternal blessedness, and happiness. But he also taught not only faith, he also taught repentance. If you look at verse 15, he says, Repent and believe the good news. So it's good news that when Jesus comes and sets things aright and starts turning things around, but what that means for us is that some of our things, that means that we're going to have to make adjustments too. Because some of the things in our lives don't fit with what he's doing in the kingdom. And so we need to have a change of mind and heart, and we need to have a change of actions. Before, we might have been just doing our own thing, walking our own way, loving those who loved us, hating those who hated us, being filled with anger, being filled with, with worry. Now we've got to shift that. We may have been just indulging ourselves. We may have been focused on money. Now we've got to say we've got to reprioritize things by the kingdom. We may not have cared about the poor before. Now that's got to be a priority. That's what he means, repentance. And a lot of his teaching is calling people to a new way of life where love of God and love of neighbor is first and foremost. And, he, and, and Jesus does this in a very strong way. One of the passages we'll look at, and if, hopefully this will, you'll still come back even though I mentioned this. If your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell. Because he's saying, he's saying that the, the salvation I'm bringing is of utmost importance. And everything's got to change to fit that. And anything that doesn't fit has got to be thrown out. It's a call to repentance as well as faith in the, in the, good, in the good news that he has come. So that's what we're going to see as we look, look through this. So let me just challenge you in conclusion. What should we do with Jesus' as teacher? Well, first, let us be taught. Let us, let us get our hearts and minds by the power of God's Spirit in a condition that's ready to be taught by Jesus. Let's not, let's not just bring it all and say, we've heard this all before. We know it all. Our preconceptions are probably going to blind us to areas where we need to change. And so put ourselves and say, Jesus, I need to be taught by you how I need to live. Show me how I need to repent, how I need to believe more the good news. And then when he teaches us, let's use these things. One of the things is if Jesus makes a point to you through his word, 
that sticks with you and says, yeah, that's right, I need to hear that, then don't just let that go one ear out the other. Keep that in your heart. Let it simmer. Let it grow inside you. And let it continue to challenge you and then put it into practice. So we get ourselves in a heart that's ready to be taught, that's ready to learn, and ready to put these things into practice. That's what the teacher is calling us to do. And that's what the teacher is ready to do. And the good news is that even when we're not, some, in, if we were to be honest, are we really ready to be uh, taught by Jesus in the way that he needs to teach us? The answer is no, we're not. But he is here to help us. He's a teacher who can teach us. He's a great teacher. He has great power. He works in us inwardly. He works in us outwardly. So we can look to this teacher and say, teach me, Lord. Show me the way. Give me the ability to learn so that I might follow you all the better. Amen.